This episode of Wrestling With Fiction has been sponsored by Netflix. Hello? Oh, we've... we've not been sponsored? What, what, what about the contract? The papers? Aren't we supposed to be getting... We're paying them. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's alright. I mean, it's not like I'm not providing free publicity. Of course I've got to pay them. This all makes sense. Wait a minute, this doesn't make sense! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome back to the latest and I'm gonna assume greatest, depending on how I wrote this, of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and by God, this has been a train wreck. <laughs> so, in case you've not seen the beginning of this, or you just randomly skipped here, because we do have timestamps in the description, we are talking about booking Super Crook's own Johnny Bolt. And for those of you who have no idea what the heckings of Super Crooks is, basically Super Crooks is a Netflix original anime series produced, or adapted, I should say, from the comic book several issues made by Mark Miller, the same guy who wrote Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, Kingsman Secret Service, all of that fun jazz. So somehow we have a Scottish writer creating a Japanese animation that is set in America? I, I assume? So for those of you who don't know what Super Crooks is about and why we're covering the main character of Johnny Bolt today, Super Crooks is a, essentially your superhero story, you know, like your classic Marvels, your DCs, your My Hero Academias, where we follow the main protagonist, Johnny Bolt, who initially wanted to be a superhero, but certain shenanigans, I won't spoil the first episode for you, happen, and he finds himself becoming a supervillain, or I guess the title would say a super crook. And we basically follow his journey as he attempts to, you know, go on these big, elaborate heists to, you know, proclaim some wealth as we see the certain divide between superheroes and villains, and even people even below supervillains. <laughs> it's personally, like, one of my favourite animes of the year, and I feel like the main character of Johnny Bolt has such an interesting power set. So for those of you, since we're going to get into it once we get into the whole... Figure out how we can fit in a character named Johnny Bolt. Ironically enough, with such a last name, he does have the power to control electricity. Who would have thought of that? <laughs> shocker. <laughs> that was an unintentional pun, but yes, shocker. He can do that. Where he uses it in such a wide and creative way that kind of shows the versatility in kind of everyday use. Like, he uses it very early on to, like, get money from <laughs> from ATMs. He uses it to, like, stop trains, stop, like, electricity and stuff like that. It's a bunch of really cool stuff that you can do that isn't as, like, overpowered as, say, like, completely being embodied by lightning to a point where you don't get hit by bullets. Kind of like 
if you guys are fans of One Piece, like Eneru. And I feel like it could be really fun to write a completely, and I will emphasize this before we get into this booking, completely bollocks storyline <laughs> into professional wrestling. So I'm going to tell you right now, before we get into this, and before we get into the story of this booking, uh, a lot of this is, uh, it's not going to be super professional wrestling, technical masterpieces. This is, this is going to be as, like, cinematic and <laughs> filled with bollocks as I could possibly get. You'll see why once we get to this. It's really, it's odd. It's odd. That's the only way I can describe it. But so that we can get to that, I think it's time that we kind of, you know, explore the potential of what Johnny Bolt can do inside of a professional wrestling ring in about four minutes. So give me a moment here. So immediately to sort of like get into this, I want to quickly emphasize that I'm not going to be spawning the plot of Super Crooks, mostly just going through some certain acknowledgements of Johnny Bolt's accolades throughout the series here, because I, I really want people to watch the show, and also, it's got a banger of an opening song. That, at the very least, is a reason to watch this show, because uh, Johnny Bolt in the world of professional wrestling is goddamn broken. In a world like WWE, for example, there are a lot of titantrons, production trucks, uh, lights that go on and off that are usually from shenanigans, some would say. But with a man that can control electricity from atop of a plane and suddenly cut off their radio silence, from like, I don't know how many feet up in the air, this man can essentially control your entire show off of a click of his flipping fingers. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. Think about this. Think about that you're in the middle of a match, you're brawling with somebody, and then automatically you snap your fingers, then you turn off the lights. And we know what happens when you turn off the lights. Usually means an interference. But then, what if it isn't there, and it just turns it back on, then hits a roll-up and goes for a win? That is immediately broken. Coupled with the fact that he's been shown on several occasions, though he doesn't use it often, because believe it or not, Johnny Bolt does not seem that powerful at all in this world that he's in, to electrify his hands and essentially punch people in the face. That in it of itself is a whole other thing considering you know the whole physical structure of a human being and the amount of water a human body contains that's quite bad uh we could talk about how electricity can affect pressure points and all this other bits and jazz how it could essentially stop a person's heart bring it back because of defibrillators that's a thing there's there's a whole plethora of things that you can do in a professional wrestling ring with electrical powers, which is essentially buffing the fact that you can pretty much make Johnny Bolt, because he doesn't really have many, like, super physical fights throughout the show. Like, he's got these bits where he's just, like, doing basic hand-to-hand -hand combat, so he could be a basic striker, forearms, fists, maybe an elbow drop off the top. But... With that, you don't really need much of it because he has so many extra mechanics around him that he's already kind of interesting. The whole thing with the Titantron, he could immediately like turn it off. Maybe even stop a production truck from a distance as he's been shown, as I will emphasize again, 
to s completely control a goddamn plane <laughs> and force it to shut down its electrics and nearly flipping crash. What? <laughs> Why? Huh? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot he can do that could be used for comedic skits, say like if he shocks over an ATM and gets money out to bribe some people, he could get it out for, you know, as we've already said, the titantrons, the lighting rigs, maybe even the commentary desk to stop the feed if he finds it too boring and not in his own favour. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that is weird, wacky and wonderful about this that isn't entirely broken. <laughs> And, you know, there's just enough to make him vulnerable enough where he could reasonably, if he's not fast enough, be beaten up by a bunch of professional wrestlers. Because there's some quick people out there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so with that, that, that is, that, that, that's a basic summary. I, I don't know if that made any coherent sense. But uh, as you can probably tell, there's, there, there, I hope I've conveyed that there is potential here. And that we haven't even got into the character side of it yet. Because there's stuff that happens. I won't go into full spoilers as I've discussed before. But there's a lot of potential for him. And I feel it's best to elaborate that and how the booking will occur going forward. In a little segment I like to call the tagline. So... For those of you who don't know what the heck a tagline is in the world of professional wrestling, or particularly in this segment, the tagline is my, essentially my summary of what I plan to do with this week's booking. Consider it like a summary that you'd see on Netflix when you want to watch, say, Super Crooks, the show we're talking about, Crunchyroll, or just insert other show, because, uh, hey, I don't know, I was going to say something about Escape from the Undertaker, or... Squid Game, but hey, those those kind of feel a little bit dated now to talk about. So, uh, JoJo Part Six, <laughs> that's happening. I I want to cover Jolene in the future, but that's a whole other thing. So, anyways, with that out of the way, fictional friends, please give me your energy as I attempt to give a brief summary of what I plan to do with Johnny Bolt. Cue the music, future me. Okay, so as we've already inferred with the whole other bits and bobs here, uh, Johnny Bolt is kind of a relatively complex character to an extent. He's, without giving away too much of the plot of the show, he's kind of a... Uh, what's a good way to put this? He's basically a bad guy who has elements of a good guy. He isn't quite an anti-hero, but he does have those tendencies where he looks like, oh, he's about to get his life together. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. It's just that constant struggle where you just, you want to see him get the W, but you know, he's also kind of a bad guy. Ironic, because the show is called Super Crooks. Probably a bit obvious from the title. But yeah, <laughs> with it... There is an underlying goal with Johnny's character that's ultimately tied to one of the other characters in the show, Casey, who is Johnny Bolt's girlfriend. And throughout the show, it's constantly mentioned that their goal together is basically to get enough money to where they could retire and live kind of a 
a, a peaceful, happy life to an extent. Which is kind of weird for a supervillain thing to really talk about, because usually you get supervillains who are evil for the sake of being evil. So, in a company like, say, a WWE and an AEW where contracts are extremely expensive, they hyperbolize a lot of items in the company, which we will get to. My basic tagline for Johnny Bolton, this whole fantasy booking is, needing money to retire into a quiet life, Johnny finds himself in search of riches beyond his comprehension. One that can only exist in the squared circle. Ooh, what does that mean? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so basically, we are going to make, I'm gonna say this now, we are going to make a heist story <laughs> with the cast of Super Crooks inside of a main piece of professional wrestling programming. You'll know which one, you'll know which one we're talking about once we get there, but uh, that that is the basic direction that we're going in. <laughs> it's... When I said it was going to be complete bollocks, it's going to be complete and utter bollocks. I'm warning you now, in case you weren't listening at the beginning, this is so weird! Because we are making a heist story inside of professional wrestling. This is either going to go really well, or really bad, based around like the story of Super Crooks and their whole like tone in several operations. But I guess that's the price for innovation. Am I am I a pioneer? <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that too much for me to say? I don't think anybody's done this before. So I, I guess I'm leaving this if this goes wrong to the next generation of people who attempt this, who will likely do a much better job than me. Hopefully, I don't know. So <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, prepare yourselves. <laughs> I've, for podcast listeners, uh, my hands are over my face right now, <laughs> as we are, we're going to get straight into this, as I attempt to book <laughs> a fantasy booking storyline about Johnny Bolt entering <laughs> the world of professional wrestling. God help us all! Okay, here goes nothing. This will undoubtedly sound like a bumbled mess, but here we are! So, our story begins in a very Super Crooks fashion. Because this is more of a Super Crooks story than a professional wrestling story. Our story begins where Johnny Bolt to earn just a little bit of extra money for his eventual supervillain retirement plan. He gets called in by his former leader Carmine, also known as the Heat back in the day of supervillains not having superpowers, to be requested for a big mission. What is this mission, you may ask? To retrieve, according to a mysterious caller, a mysterious golden egg that has appeared on Survivor Series. Yes! That golden egg, the one that Vince McMahon randomly walked onto and was like, Hey, somebody get that. Somebody get that egg. If you do, you're gonna get a world title shot, brother, brother. Ah. 
Somebody get my egg. That thing. You know that thing? That's what he's trying to get. So basically, it's from this point, Johnny is attempting to form a team. Forming it with himself. Old man Carmine. Uh, Casey, his girlfriend who has superpowers, which I will mention now. Basically, the ability to sort of like manipulate memories and events. So think of it like if you're drinking a bowl of wine or you're drinking some form of alcoholic beverage and uh, say you're not drunk. If she says you're drunk, oh, your mind thinks that you're drunk, you're now wasted. So we have that. And of course, for this mission, we have the Diesel Brothers who Sammy and uh, Roddy, that's his name. I definitely remembered that name. Who are essentially your big... Well, one of them's big, the other one's kind of average size. Who have the ability to regenerate. So think like Logan's healing factor, or Wolverine, some would say, on steroids. That is the squad that we begin our story with as they attempt to infiltrate the WWE and proclaim the Golden Egg. <laughs> oh god, what am I doing? So we continue on <laughs> from this part. Of course, they know nothing about the WWE. There is next to no reference of professional wrestling in the world of Super Crooks, barring a moment with Sammy and Roddy of the Diesel Brothers, who at one point in the story become professional wrestlers. They give us the exposition that WWE is the biggest, most powerful wrestling company in all of professional wrestling. As far as they know from their time in professional wrestling, they don't have the same awakening abilities that they do in the world of professional wrestling so of course they try and get as much detail as possible they go to local wwe shows in their local area like san francisco chicago all those particular areas to try and gather as much information about the backstage crew the setup everything that they can so they can infiltrate wwe and retrieve that golden egg that a very generous Benefactor has been begging for them to retreat. It is during this point that we start to get a little bit more information, a little bit more scouting, thanks to Casey being able to manipulate some local security guards to make them believe that she is a part of the WWE live crew. So she's able to get into the backstage area, get as much information as possible until she eventually hears a very loud and boisterous Vince McMahon and Gorilla just saying, oh, we need... We need a new extra to face Austin Fury in a enhancement match. It's at this point that we get our very first buy-in. Because of WWE's current policy on age and looks, Carmine is out. Despite the history of being the Heat, a famous villain in the course of the early 1920s America, Casey is out because, uh, apparently, by WWE standards, she's too old too. Roddy and Sammy, they have a wrestling reputation, can't really get in, they don't have a big enough name. So their only hope is to get an extra, and in this case is, of course, our main man who we're booking this week, Johnny Bolt. Johnny Bolt, in the very next episode of Roy's able to infiltrate into the backstage area. We get all the classic rumors that we hear about. WWE backstage, you need to be quiet. Don't say hi to anybody and let whoever comes to you, come to you. And in this case, it turns out to be the man who he's set to face, Austin Fury. Austin Fury sees him as he tries to sneak into backstage. It's with it, Austin Fury 
being the very cocky Gen Z youth that he is, attempts to take a selfie with Johnny. Johnny Bolt, of course, being the cheeky little villainous scamp that he is, just doing this mainly to keep the plan going, but trying to, you know, keep a little bit of his dignity here. He's not a big supervillain, but he's, he's reasonably there. He has, as we now know from a very early point in the story, a bit of a criminal record. So any selfie or sighting of a man named Johnny Bolt in any local area is not great news. So he tries to use what little power as he can not to give it away and claim that he's a professional wrestler to turn off Austin Fury's phone. It's at this point where Austin Fury's like, no, you did that on purpose. This is that, that's not fair. You, I, I, I didn't see anything, but I bet you did it. I bet you did it, you cheeky little scamp. I don't know what Austin Fury says, but they begin to brawl in the backstage. This, of course, leads to various forms of security breaking up the pair until Austin Fury goes straight over to Vince McMahon and they basically go over their, you know, previous segments on Raw about opportunity. Who's trying to seek opportunities? Like, seems like he wants an opportunity. He wants to face me. Let's go for it. We'll do it tonight. And basically, just like that, we have ourselves Austin Fury versus Johnny Bolt. We're getting our Johnny Bolt debut, brother, brother. <laughs> and with it, unfortunately, Johnny Bolt gets a bit of a jobber entrance. No real sort of like proper entrance music of some sort. You know, the clap. The cloud, the crowd, the cloud crowd, because uh, it could potentially be quite vacant in this arena. You never know. Power cuts is very silent for Johnny. Of course they are. He's a new guy. It's a guy that nobody's ever heard of. Not even from a, you know, smart indie crowd. Nobody knows who the heckings a Johnny Bolt is. It sounds like something you'd make up in a comic book. Am I right, guys? And during this, we get our very first exchange, kind of pointing over the fact that Johnny has no real history with professional wrestling. The most he really knows how to do at this point is like punch and kick, maybe a little bit of fancy razzmatazz here and there. And Austin Fury, he is the, you know, young, hungry prospect who they put over in previous storylines, delivered the golden egg to Vince McMahon. I, that shows that he has initiative of some kind, right? And so throughout this match, we we continually build the story that we kind of had at the beginning from when they first interacted. Austin Fury, midway through a match, as he's trying to like really isolate and like slow down Johnny Bolt, tries to get him into like a headlock takeover, say he's struggling, and just casually take a selfie with him. No, no primal reason, but every time he does, Johnny Bolt hits just like a little bit of like electricity or like over to lighting rigs or over just like little bits of lighting just to get a little bit of a distraction just so that Johnny can just get a little bit of an advantage back. This goes back and forth until eventually Johnny is caught off guard by the speed of Austin Fury until he finally hits a selfie with him. Now usually this wouldn't be a big deal right? Except there's one issue here. Uh, uh, Austin Fury Almost like in his like old Titantron like entrance where he used to glow. Yeah, he literally starts glowing and the commentators are beside themselves. They're confused that like what what is going on with Austin Fury and Johnny is completely frozen in sight 
at the sight of this as we get a little bit in like the backstage part with like Casey and Carmine and all this stuff kind of saying, wait a minute, does, has he been, has he been awakened? Awakened basically meaning, oh S word, Austin Fury has some sort of superpower and Johnny is completely frozen in the middle of the ring. We get little bits where we just start to see like Johnny's hands kind of like twitching and slowly regaining, you know, a little bit of like movement. As we now discover that Austin Fury has superpowers. The power that is what I like to dub Freeze Frame. Yes, he somehow has a superpower. We'll explain how. Where basically he has essentially been frozen temporarily for a few seconds. Because he's managed to take a selfie with the individual. They are frozen in place for a certain amount of time. Maximum 10 seconds, allowing Austin Fury to get in just a little bit more offense. It's at this point that Johnny starts to realize that he can't really hold back his powers anymore. Otherwise, he's going to be beaten the living S-word out of. And if he's beaten the living S-word out of, he won't have the ability to steal this said golden egg to get the same amount of money he wants for his retirement plan. So guess what we do? We do exactly what we said we planned to do in the older parts. We get a classic lights out spot by Johnny manipulating the electrics of the arena. So it goes off and then on, allowing Johnny to quickly get a roll up and hightail it out of there as Austin Fury, still irate over this situation, chases after Johnny. It is during this that we get Austin Fury posting this on social media, various news outlets getting out that John Johnny Bolt is in fact a criminal, mind you, and we get a little bit of a chase sequence to end the night with him exiting Monday Night Raw. It's during this we get various other vignettes saying that this unlikely win was one that was unprecedented, a random guy entering the world of professional wrestling and suddenly getting a win on one of the hottest young prospects in wrestling? Absolutely ridiculous. And it's during this that we get a little bit more information from the supposed mysterious buyer. We get a mysterious voice enter from the telephone as Carmine and Johnny Bolt pick up the phone and try and get answers about how the hell does he have superpowers? This is professional wrestling. The only real superpower there is is maybe just a bit of pyro. What is going on here? And so we get this mysterious promo from this said individual, which he says, <clears throat> My orders were simple and firm. Get the egg. As your friend has seen, those powers that exist within the egg produce more damage than the world can comprehend. The heroes of that world are too weak and the villains are too corrupt. If McMahon discovers its powers, the world as we know it could end. And then the phone line cuts off. And it's from this point that they try and gather even more information on this thing. Carmine suggests that they recapture Austin Fury in any way that they can in order to gather more information. This leads to Casey infiltrating once again and manipulating Austin Fury to leave the arena on the very next episode of Raw without appearing for his next big match, leading whilst leading Vince McMahon to be suspicious, eventually bat tonight because he's got an entire show to run. It's during this that the crew eventually kidnap Austin Fury and try and gather as much information as they can 
to how he was able to unlock some sort of mythical power, yet others who have held the Egglicker, certain Vincent Kennedy McMahon, have not been able to achieve such a drastic change. Austin Fury exclaims that he has no idea what he's talking about, he doesn't even remember who the heck they are despite sending the selfie. It's during this that he quickly asks, hey, could you take another selfie with me? Johnny asks, and Austin Fury kindly offers and says yes. And it's during this that Johnny discovers, hey, uh, nothing's really happened. And it's at this point that they all discover one clear thing. These powers that they are given aren't forever. They're only temporary. And from this point, they all essentially affirm that the egg only gives powers for a certain amount of time dependent on the exposure to said item. Because ever since the egg has been seen on WWE programming and been given to Vince McMahon, next to nobody has been given such extraordinary abilities. And so from this point, the team attempt to infiltrate the only place where it could be possible to hold such an item. Be the WWE warehouses. Because those have everything at this point. So they all eventually infiltrate the warehouses and hear rumours about where supposedly this golden egg could be kept thanks to their high quality cross-branding promotional tactics of the WWE. I nearly forgot what I was about to say there. As they head eventually into the WWE warehouse, they investigate and find a spot that is labelled for the golden egg and find it to be missing. Of course, at this point, they're wondering what the heck has happened. How could this have happened? It's at this point that Johnny, looking over to a nearby television security camera, quickly zaps it on to realize the cameras have been shut off for a moment. They've been destroyed. So they head back and they check the security footage that was found via sort of like infiltrating the WWE warehouse. And they discover that the egg has been taken by none over the conspiracy theorist himself, Sami Zayn, who in the middle of it starts like monologuing to himself about, oh, well, look, they didn't believe that I could do it, even though I gave it in. I gave it in. I should have had the rightful WWE Championship matchup against Big E, but no, 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 this company's all out against me. They all want to be out to get me. And you know what? I'm going to do what they should have done. I should have taken the egg for myself, sold it on eBay, sold it for Sammy versus Syria. I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to go and do whatever I want against those vile zebra men. It's at that point they have found their new goal. And the very simple one. Find and capture Sami Zayn. So of course at this point they need to somehow find their way back to the world of WWE sports entertainment. Except now on the company brand of Smackdown where unless you haven't been living under a rock. Sami Zayn has been in a little program with a certain Brock Lesnar. Yes. <laughs> so it's very easy to find that Sami Zayn's been located on SmackDown. The real question is, how do they get it? Johnny Bolt has been this a thing that's basically established as a bit of a criminal now. So uh, we kind of need him to have a bit of a gimmick change. So for the sake of it and a little bit of background stuff, because like Sami and Roddy at some point in the story do eventually become professional wrestlers. I'm going to say in kayfabe, 
Johnny does learn how to wrestle, okay? He learns his roles. He gets through, like, getting in and out of a ring, which, believe it or not, is more complicated than you would think. <laughs> all that fun jazz all sorted out because Johnny's a, you know, he's a well-built guy in the story. It, it, it shouldn't be that hard for him. He's already kind of athletic. But, of course, he can't go under the Johnny Bolt name. He can't even wear his traditional, like, villain costume because chances are... San Francisco police, worldwide police because of the way the super crooks hero world works, probably won't be able to work. So we're bringing back a certain alias. If you've watched the first episode, you know what I'm talking about. Johnny Bolt is able to get into the WWE thing once again as an extra by dressing up as a character known as Electro Boy. Now, if some of you don't know what Electro Boy looks like and wondering, what the heck is this? Think of it like a more bright and vibrant hurricane looking guy. Wearing a lot of green, a bit of orange. It's like the adult version, you know, fan surface because I really wanted to see that. It's during this point that he's trying to gather as much information as possible. Talking to the likes of, say, a Happy Corbin, for example, who's just... That happy smugness now that he's rich. Where he, he starts explaining stuff just on the whim about how he hasn't really seen Sami Zayn over the past couple of weeks because he's been busy with all his money. But he does know that he's been carrying a golden egg because he's been bribing people for information. Because why wouldn't he? You know, he, he needs to get as much information so he can keep getting all the monies, you know? that That's a thing that happens. And so with it, we find ourselves with him going around trying to find Sami Zayn somewhere in the backstage area so that he can eventually take back the golden egg once and for all. He doesn't need to wait for a wrestling match. And there's one point where he spots a guy somewhere in the backstage area and he starts chasing after them. It's at this point that this supposed figure who is supposedly Sami Zayn bumps into... A person who is never, ever backstage at SmackDown. But he happens to bump into him. He bumps into a Braun Breaker. <laughs> because if you're telling me that Vince McMahon, simply looking at this man, does not believe, hey, he should be called up soon, despite being arrested for six months, you're out of your goddamn mind. So, of course, this supposed figure with this golden egg-like object bumps into Braun Breaker. And, of course... Johnny immediately trying to just get to him looks over of course Braun is pissed at him and then quickly turns to a certain Johnny and they begin to brawl of course they do of course it happens and it's during this that we get because if you're telling me we're not going to get this if he supposedly got superpowers Braun Breaker in the words of his father and his uncle begins spouting out some Steiner maths, baby. He starts starting out like, look, you bumped into me after he bumped into me, and now I'm mad at you, which means that you've got a 33% chance of getting past me. There ain't nothing you can do. There ain't nothing you can do with him or him that can stop me, because all you've got is less than a 33% chance of winning. Now, if you add my 5% added onto this, and another 6%, you get an additional 11%, but you subtract that 11%, because it doesn't really lead to much. And of course, 
with this and the supposed golden egg in play, of course we're going to give Braun Breaker powers. The powers of Steiner Maths, which immediately confuses our, our, lovely, our lovely boy, Johnny Bolt, as they are forced into a dark match against each other. Electro Boy versus Braun Breaker. Casey, of course, by this point, is just, what? And of course, the audience, why? How did you get into this? It should have been so simple to get an egg. Is there anybody else who can get in here? Of course, a match begins and we get the effects of Steiner Mass, which is in a very similar ilk to our, our person that we've discussed earlier, Austin Fury, except if this person, aka Johnny Bolt, is unable to correctly decipher the abilities of Steiner Maths, he takes damage. So, think of it like this. He goes for a clothesline, he asks you, what is 33% chance of me winning me? And of course, Johnny Bolt doesn't know how to answer this because it's complete bollocks. Of course, Johnny gets additional, like, damage taken from it. So basically, he's more susceptible to being hit. That, that's the best way I can describe it. It's like double damage or like a critical hit in Pokemon. So basically, this match goes on. Johnny is getting beaten the living S-word out of. Because keep in mind here, he may know how to do wrestling moves. That doesn't mean much if you're getting hit by it constantly. Like, again and again and again and again. Because you're hitting the same body parts, essentially. Braun Breaker is a very, like, big, beefy man. <laughs> and so, at this point, how does Johnny get out of this? How can you stop a power like this? Well... It's simple. The Steiners are very eloquent with their maps, but nobody said they couldn't agree with their maps. So at this point, Johnny, in this almost concussed-like state, after hearing all of these 33 and a percent chance of winning, ultimately just says, oh, I agree, can you shut up already? <laughs> Hits a huge, like, lightning-powered punch, managed to crack him right on the jaw to get a very... And I emphasize narrow victory in a dark match. And some of you might be saying, why would they want to bury Braun Breaker? Well, simple. This ain't a pre-booked match. This is Johnny trying to survive right now and get a flipping golden egg. What story are you listening to? And so from this, he is very vacant, concussed state. He's trying to get out the ring. Where Casey, of course, the person with the ability to manipulate these sets of mind tricks and stuff like that, Convincing him that he is completely fine <laughs> and rushes to the backstage where he attempts to find Sami Zayn. He eventually finds Sami Zayn with Braun Breaker still chasing after him, feeling that he had been rigged out of this victory. His power is firmly wearing off because he only had brief contact with said golden egg, only to find that Sami Zayn has been knocked out, put back in a wheelchair. We believe it could be Brock Lesnar, but... You know, the damage is too light. It's not as heavy and brutal as a Brock Lesnar German suplex. And it's at this point that we... <laughs> we... They begin to investigate further. Johnny continues to rush around the building. Where... Who is it? Where is he? And of course, he manages to spot the golden egg being held by none other. than a man that we all know very familiar, ladies and gentlemen. A man who... Very much when he clutched the egg, said a simple thing to Samuel Zane. 
I'm afraid you have been left future endeavoured. Because the person holding the egg is none other than Nick Khan. <laughs> oh, this is complete bollocks, but we're sticking with it. Yep, Nick Khan has the egg. He he begins to do a very similar thing to a certain Casey ability. Because he has a very similar power. He starts trying to make Johnny agree with his line of thinking. He starts talking about the business of WWE as they... As he attempts to like attempt to grab the egg, he's like, you know, you're you're much more capable than people believe you are. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Just start to, you know, you could be the real future of this company. You know, we're trying to, we're not trying to make these wrestlers. We're trying to make WWE superstars. He's like, yeah, I can, I can totally be a WWE superstar. And then at this point, he just starts quietly nodding. As he gets, as Nick Khan slowly exits back to the backstage, he gets in his private limousine and he drives off. Johnny quickly shakes his head off and realizes, oh, F. He just took the egg. And knowing what he probably knows now from discovering that he was able to manipulate me so much, he's going to pass it over to Vince McMahon, who will eventually discover that he had abilities like everybody else. But he was too busy with his early morning schedules and his business meetings to realize such a thing. Until Nick Khan potentially informs him. As we head into Act 3. <laughs> oh god help me. <laughs> So we've reached the final act of this story, which is, of course, the final heist. So some of you might be wondering at this point, if you're a fan of Super Crooks, where is the rest of the cast? Well, I didn't fully explain it early, but yeah, they're all busy doing their own business stuff. Ghost, ar architecture stuff, uh, forecast, selling umbrellas, uh, TK, being with his wife and kid. I think that's a good enough explanation. But anyways, because of this, they can't contact them. So they're not going to be able to be available in the heist. So they need to find other wrestlers or people who could potentially aid in their accomplices. So they attempt to recruit Austin Theory. It doesn't quite go well because, you know, they kidnapped him. <laughs> they, and despite all manipulations, they don't have enough information to truly manipulate Austin Theory to help out. Because remember, Vince did give him a WWE Championship match. Uh... They try to recruit a Brawn Breaker. Uh, doesn't quite work. Big beefy man. He just wants to be NXT champion at this point. What are you doing? And they of course try to recruit Sami Zayn. Who is too busy complaining about all the injustice against him. That a near, I don't know how old Nick Khan is. Assaulted him for no reason. He did nothing but simply acquire a resource from a WWE storage house. Which leads to one man to help them get into WWE headquarters. A man who has been very closely acute with the WWE in the past. Has also had various opportunities to be even close and privy to said individuals. And has even been a constable of the WWE. Yes! They get help from Happy Corbin. Why? Because they attempt to believe that if they're able to grab and acquire this egg and get the reward money that they ever so desired they'll be able to split the reward with 
Happy Corbin to further accumulate his own wealth. So of course, Baron Corbin gives the insights of WWE headquarters, because remember, he did compete in that Money in the Bank ladder match a time ago. So he gives them about the view of the multiple floors, where Vince McMahon's office is, and where the egg could be held if he knows anything about the WWE. That egg will be right in Vince McMahon's office. So, they all attempt the heist together. Casey tries to manipulate several guards so that they are able to walk in. They head through the front door. Nobody seems to bat an eye towards it as they head up the first couple elevators. And it's during this that Happy Corbin simply looks over to the pair, looks over to the group, and he simply says, You know I'm rich, right? And it's at this point where the elevator doors open. Several upon several security guards appear. It's a swerve, brother, brother. Vince McMahon and the Vincent Kennedy McMahon WWE contracts and the powers of Nick Khan and the Golden Egg have manipulated him to rat them out so they can get rid of these punks who have been ruining their shows for good. It's at this point where... Happy Corbin looks over to Nick Khan, who says, You've got a great future in the WWE. Of course, Baron Corbin says, I do. And of course, he further says, You've got a great future in the WWE. We would never get rid of you. He says, Of course, I know. And then he quickly, as Baron Corbin walks off, writes a name on one of the several lists, which could be <laughs> releases. <laughs> Oh god, that, that feels a bit too close to home. I don't wish for Baron Corbin to be released, personally, just to be clear, but hey, based on WWE's recent track record of releases, if that's not an idea that he would do, I don't know what will. So with this, security guards upon security guards begin to attack the group. Casey, Johnny, Carmine, all of them begin to face each other off. And as Nick Khan attempts to manipulate our boy Johnny Bolt Casey intervenes, having a clash between the pair, where during this she's able to uncover within these memories that he has already passed over the egg to Vince McMahon. During this whole commotion, Johnny sprints over. He rushes through. He sees the likes of Austin Fury and Braun Breaker in his way, and he attempts to get past them. Of course, they've somehow been recharged with their superhero-like abilities and still have a beef with him. So they attempt to sort of clash more and more with him, delivering elbow strikes, rush clotheslines, your running power slams, all of that fun jazz. Up until a point where Johnny, just through vast electrical power, cuts off the lights and narrowly escapes till he finds himself in Vince McMahon's office. He quickly activates his powers again to turn on the lights within the building where he sees Vince McMahon holding and clutching the golden egg by his arms. I That sentence came out weird. In his own hands. That's a better way of saying it. And with it, Vince McMahon goes on this monologue. You know, I, I dreamed of holding a, a monopoly across the world of professional wrestling and football, the XFL, the WWE. But I realize there's greater business to be done in a world of superheroes, villains, and super crooks. 
There's even more business to be had. Greater money. World wrestling services. Join me, Johnny. And we can start the World Wrestling Services Agency. A place <laughs> that manipulates the rich and plagues the poor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that. And it's during this. Johnny, of course, being the semi heel and babyface of this story, has an unfathomable no. Because the money that he has for the golden egg is worth more than any type of manipulation that he can bring upon people. All he wanted was money. He didn't want global domination. So it's at this point that Vince leaves no choice. He uses what power is left inside the golden egg to <laughs> release his ability. And it's it's simple. It's a it's 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 similar theming to everything else. Your Steiner maths, your freeze frames, your I guess the Sami Zayn one would be cancel culture. The Nick Khan's manipulation. He has a simple thing. It's called the good old days. And this ability is very simple. He basically creates these almost life-size realistic clones of his past stars. Your John Cena's, your Rocks, your Stone Cold Steve Austin's, your Hulk Hogan's who all begin to materialize in front of him in their golden eras within their time in the WWE. All begin to face Johnny. They all begin to attack him. All that fun stuff, all trying to hit their signature moves as Johnny reluctantly rolls out of the way, hoping that eventually some of these minds will begin to dysfunction away from Vince McMahon. They all eventually just through severe like hitting each other because wrestlers and wrestling ego sometimes. We get <laughs> we get a clash between John Cena and The Rock. Hulk Hogan likewise and Stone Cold Steve Austin as they all clash together to say who is the real face of the WWE. Vince McMahon is confused. Like, I, I don't understand. They're, they're my toys. They're my puppets. I, they're all, they're all my, they're all my creations. They don't, they don't exist for the WWE. They're, they're my brand. They're my brand. Vince is starting to lose his mind in the entire hallucination of everything. Johnny simply gives a monologue. Stating that they're your brand, certainly. You created them, but you didn't make them. It's at this point he quickly shocks Vince McMahon, a man shocked at the idea of his own power. Probably more effective if he was just a little bit younger. And he quickly passes out. Johnny retrieves the golden egg as at the end of the day, Vince McMahon, with all of this power... Didn't know what to do with it. And it led to it clashing against his own ideals. And that was the, de the defeat of Vince McMahon. My tongue got twisted there. As we head into the epilogue of this story. The group retrieved the golden egg. They received their rewards. 
as they finally figure out who is the mysterious advocate attempting to retrieve said golden egg. It turns out to be none other than a man that we're already aware of. A man who was responsible for this cross-promotion in the first place. A man simply known as The Rock Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> it is The Rock who reclaims the egg from the group who finally figure out who it was through all the calls that I only realized I only really gave one call, but the calls! <laughs> As he explains that this is how he keeps his extreme muscle, his promo abilities, his charisma, his charisma and charisma. And with it, he begins to use just a fraction of the power that he can use later for when he eventually films and stars in Black Adam. Yes. We tied it in freeway. <laughs> WWE, Super Crooks, the Netflix movie starring The Rock, and of course, Black Adam. <laughs> that's how you do cross promotion. I'm sorry, I don't know what the hell I wrote, but that's the story, people. That's how I'd book Johnny Bolt. I'm really sorry. <laughs> So with that, we have come to <laughs> the end of what was probably the most convoluted, odd, ridiculous story I've made so far. I, is it more ridiculous than Shaggy? Yes. Yes, I will stand by that. It's more ridiculous than Shaggy because there's at least a layer of bollocks you expect with this. This was a train wreck <laughs> in what I hope was the best possible way. <laughs> If you somehow really enjoyed this episode, which if you did, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, I, 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 I give you a clap. Incredible. You're, you're, you're the one who's incredible for sitting there and listening to me somehow string this together. As is the price for what I'm only going to give myself the excuse of innovation. <laughs> So with that, thank you so much for listening. If you somehow got this far, I don't know if you did. And thank you for being patient for this. Uh, I promise I'm going to be going back to a wrestling story next week. <laughs> I, I, I promise that. And with it, once again, I've already stated it. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this content... Uh, you can follow me for updates on social media and other fun stuff that I will post on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. You can also find me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction and sometimes on TikTok because, uh, you know, social media, podcasts, I try and do stuff that's different. You know, content. So with that out of the way, once again, thank you so much for listening. This was a wild, wild ride, and I hope that all of you have a lovely day, and remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>